you have your Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, New Testament book of Mark, chapter 2. We will again be in verses 18 to 22 this morning. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. If you're a guest with us, we're working our way through the book of Mark, watching Jesus on the move, thinking about Jesus as our king, what it means to follow him. And this morning, if you were with us last week, you'll be a little bit more ready uh, for another tough assignment. Uh, If we weren't here last week, we called this passage Mission Impossible, given the difficulty of the passage in the time of year where everybody's kind of in a fog. And so if you weren't here last week, I'll let you know that your assignment is doubly tough because it will be like you are coming into the living room, sitting down on the couch, and watching only the second half of Mission Impossible. We will try to catch you up along the way, but you're going to have to do some work to lean into God's Word. All of us will, uh, as we listen to Mark tell us about the new way to joy. With all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. This is the Word of the Lord. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskins. New Year's. Happy New Year's, by the way. You either love it or you hate it. You're the goal-setting type person who loves the annual opportunity to show off how great you are at accomplishing a goal. And you set out all kinds of New Year's resolutions so that by the end of the year you can check them off. Or you look at New Year's and think, what a stupid idea. Just because the calendar flips over to a new year, I've got to make some goal to lose weight or to read this many books. And you know, by February, I'm not going to be doing any of them. Right? You either love New Year's or you hate it. What Mark's showing us in these, these series of confrontations is that Jesus is like New Year's. You can't be neutral about them. You either love them or you hate them. We're in the middle of another fight, another conflict. What's going on right now is, is people in Israel are looking at Jesus and trying to decide what to do with him. They see other groups in town that are very serious about their faith. But they look at Jesus and they think, what's up with the new guy? The Pharisees fast. They're serious. John the Baptist's disciples fast. They're serious. Jesus and his buddies are at a party. 
Why should I join in on this group? How are they going to help me be more like God? And we saw last week, Jesus uses the story of the wedding to to say, the reason these people are fasting is because they don't get it. They've got the wrong mood for the wrong time. The kingdom of God is here. The bridegroom is here. The party is here. Why would you fast right now? It's the wrong mood. It's the wrong time. But the fundamental reason why everyone else is fasting, but Jesus' disciples are not, all comes down to something else. It all comes down to how they see God and how they approach him. How do you see and approach God? Some people, like the Pharisees, see God as their law master. The great judge who's going to reward them for going above and beyond. That's why the Pharisees went all out on following the rules, even creating their own, because that's how they saw God. John's disciples, they're probably fasting because they think God is delaying his promise. They listened to John the Baptist, but now he's arrested in prison and they're still waiting on the one who's greater than John. They don't get it, and so they're sad, and they're fasting, calling on God to make his promise come true. But James and John and Peter and Andrew and Levi, they're not fasting, because when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, repent and believe, they believe. When Jesus says, follow me, they follow. And so the fundamental reason why these other groups are so serious about fasting and the disciples are not. It's all about how they see God. This right here is an argument between works and grace. And you can find all of these approaches in the room today. You can find all of these approaches in the world today. Some of you, some of us, are just trying to follow the rules. That's what good Baptists do. We want to follow the rules and and look impressive and be religious. Some of us, maybe, like John's disciples, even with all Jesus said and did, are looking for God to do something more, waiting on him. But some hear the gospel of the kingdom, and they sell everything they have for the treasure in the field. And the world says, you know what? Have it your way. You do your own thing, I'll do mine. All of them are fine. You approach God the way you want to approach God. Just leave me out of it. And Jesus tells this parable to give a different message. Okay, listen. There might be a whole lot of things you don't understand in the next few minutes. And I'm okay with that. But you can't leave not understanding what Mark is saying with this passage, okay? This is the one thing you need to take away. Mark is saying the new way to God is the only way to God. That should be clear. I want to try to explain it with the rest of the passage. But if you don't understand it, that's okay. What Mark is saying is the new way to God, the kingdom of Christ is the only way 
to God. It's a tough parable, but we make it harder than it has to be. We don't need to try to stretch every single detail of this parable to mean something. A parable has one point. Did you hear that? A parable has one point. What's the point? That's the point. Everything else is about this. And these two stories that Jesus ties together have the same point. Everything that's coming is about the new way to God, being the only way to God. We could go back and read about the patch and the wineskins. I've been thinking about these pictures for weeks, and I'm still trying to figure them out. And honestly, we could spend all our time talking about it this morning, and we would leave still trying to figure it out. There's so much gap between where Jesus and the disciples were culturally and where we are today, it's really difficult to understand. Okay? So I'm going to try to give you a modern twist on Jesus' parable. All right? Stick with me. What God is saying through Jesus is that the kingdom of God is not like a Blu-ray player. When Blu-ray players came out, you not only could play Blu-rays, but you could play your old DVDs as well. So any old DVD you had, you didn't have to throw it out. You could just slide it into the Blu-ray player. Kingdom of God's not like that. The kingdom of God is like a VCR. And when DVDs came out, you couldn't take your old cassette tapes and slide them into your DVD player. It's not going to work. In fact, if you really try to make it work and push that cassette into the DVD player, you're either going to break the tape or you're going to break the player. It's not going to happen. The new way and the old way do not work. In fact, they'll destroy each other. Now, some of you, you don't get that either because you know about as much about technology as you do wine. And I can't help you that much. I'm going to try to explain to you more what Mark is saying, but that's a picture of what he's trying to say with these wineskins and the patches. The new way to God is the only way to God. Okay, three truths about the new way, the kingdom of God, that we need to know. The first one is the new way is exclusive. The new way is exclusive. Jesus says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. No one. No matter how many bumper stickers you see on the road, the cross cannot coexist. It is not compatible with other views of God. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Maybe this ruffles your feathers. It ruffles people's feathers. But listen, if Jesus is who he says he is, if God came to earth in the flesh to die 
for man's sins, and if God rose from the grave to offer eternal life, then how could those who reject this plan and reject this Messiah stand before God with those who embrace him? 1 John chapter 2, verse 23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Think of it this way. If Jesus is true, if what he has done is true, if what he says is true, and he saves us by grace, then what else can you or anyone or any other faith bring to the table? If it is finished, then what can you add? Absolutely nothing. That's why John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Brothers and sisters, if you don't already feel the pressure, you will. You will not go to your grave without facing the pressure of allowing Jesus to be one of many options. But you cannot mix new wine with the old wine. You cannot sow a new patch on an old patch. And you cannot add Jesus with anything else. The new way to God is exclusive. But... Jesus, with this parable, also shows us the new way is destructive. Now, there's a word we don't often associate with the gospel. The gospel destroys. It is destructive, Jesus says. You put on the new patch to the old cloth, and what happens? Jesus says, a worse tear is made. When you put the new wine into the old wineskins, what happens? The wine bursts and the wine spills to the floor. Jesus is saying that his gospel, his kingdom, is not a friendly newcomer ready to share the stage. Jesus is saying, I'm here to tear down every tower of Babel. Every man-made effort to get to God is coming down. That's why when he is crucified, the curtain in the temple is torn because the temple does nothing for man anymore. It is Jesus alone, and he's here to destroy. Jesus is not Judaism 2.0. He's not a reformation. He is a revolution. That's why in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, the writer says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now think with me on this. If this is how destructive Jesus is with Judaism and the Jewish effort to be made right with God, why do we think that our works and our attempts to be good with God are any different? If God destroys the works of Israel in trying to be good before him, why do we think that we can impress him with how good we are? Are we an exception? And you need to be careful, friend. If you think you can make Jesus a priority in your life and try to be a good person 
let him be number one and do what you need to do to be a, a good Christian, and that's your view on God, you need to hear the warning from Jesus. He destroys that kind of approach. Galatians, that's what's happening in Galatia. The Judaizers are saying, you want Christ? Great, be circumcised. Do some work too. And Paul says, oh, well, remember what Jesus said? Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, he says, you do that, you are severed from Christ. See the destruction? You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. What does this mean for you? Listen, if you try to add Jesus to your rules, if you try to add Jesus to your Baptist tradition, to your American values, if you try to mix Jesus in with some blend of spirituality, where you have Jesus and mysticism and, and Eastern religion and other views and, and meditation and horoscopes and, and whatever you want to blend into your special blend of religion, if that's what you want to do, Jesus says it will only explode in your face. The new is destructive. The new way to Jesus is exclusive. The new way to Jesus is destructive. And the New Testament tells us the good news of the gospel is, unlike anything else, the new way is effective. The new way works all the time. Let me ask you, how long do your New Year's resolutions usually last? Do you make it to March? If you do, you're doing pretty good. Because one study says that of all the New Year's resolutions that are made, 80% of them are finished by the second week of February. So whatever you've got planned for 2021, good luck with that. And you make it to March, you could pat yourself on the back. You've done a pretty good job. But it's an annual reminder from God that depending on our own strength is foolish. It will not be very effective. And Jesus is, is warning us, and the New Testament shows us that the old way to God, trying to go to him with works, trying to impress him with our holiness, trying to do enough good so that he'll approve of us and make it into heaven, is not effective. It does not work. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You mess up on one law and it doesn't work. There's not a single person. The Pharisees, John's disciples, you and me can never say that we've hit every single one every single time. And the minute we mess up one, our effort to get to God is ineffective. It's done. But here's the good news of the gospel. When you repent and believe, automatically, 100% of the time, it works. You're with God. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 3 to 4, Paul says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, 
By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Brothers and sisters, the new way to God, the way through the Lord Jesus Christ has a 100% success rating. Grace brings every person who believes to God. There's no one left behind. Grace brings every single person along the way and makes them more like Christ. It always happens. And when you get this, then you understand the difference between the Pharisees and Jesus and why there's so much joy. You can't have joy if you think you're going to work your way to God. It's impossible. Because the the looming failure in your life is going to hang over you and constantly bring you down. When you don't have that perfect day and you know that you're trying as hard as you can, but you just can't get it and you'll never have joy. But when you understand that it has nothing to do with what you've done and just the fact that God did it for you and you put your trust in him and that's it, oh my goodness. We don't need to fast. Let's celebrate. You would be right there with Jesus' disciples. Every other way, friend, every other way in this world tells you what you need to do. But only Jesus, the new wine, says, I did it for you. It's done. How have you approached God? How do you look at him? How do you pray to him? When you go through your day, how do you see God as the Lord, as the judge, as the one above you? How do you approach him? Do you try to earn your place with him? Do you try to piece your life together and include Jesus as much as you can? Listen, the question that these parables are asking is not, can you make room for Jesus in your life? It's not, in the busyness of everything going on and all the priorities that you've set up, can you include Jesus once a week? The question that's being asked by Jesus and he'll continue to ask in the book of Mark is, will you forsake everything else to be in my kingdom? Will you let me make you new? Friends, listen, Jesus is not interested in patching your life up. He's not interested in trying to make things better. He's not trying to to make you the new and improved you. He doesn't want to be a part of your story. He's the king. He wants every part of your life. And for the new to become a reality, the old has to be destroyed. And you can't destroy it. You can't do it. It'll never happen by your works. 
That's why the new covenant that God made in the Old Testament, he said this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 to 27. See how effective it is. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Has God done that work in your life? Has he given you a new heart and a new spirit? Friends, if you're trying to earn that new heart, that new spirit, if you're trying to earn that new life, stop it. That's what repent means. Quit doing that and put your trust in what Jesus has already done for you. You don't have to start the new year trying to be a better person. You need to start the new year by putting your faith in the better person and believing that Jesus has done it all. When you do that, he will put his spirit within you and cause you to be everything you want to be, to cause you to be that kind of person. Friends, we talk all the time about needing to to come down the aisle and invite Jesus into our heart. Don't do that. We have defective hearts that need to be destroyed. That's why, as as Brian read earlier at the beginning of the service, David prays in repentance, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't invite Jesus into your heart. Ask God to give you a new one. Believe in Christ. The new way is the only way to God. Brothers and sisters, if you have that new heart inside of you, if you're a believer, remember who you are. We start off this new year as the people of God. We are a new people. We are a new creation. I want to remind you of who you are today. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Do you see the new way is destructive? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's effective. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends, think about what the new patch and the new wine say to us in this new year. Friends, New Year's can be the best or the worst Christian holiday of the year. It's the worst if you think you're going to add some things to the mix and become a better person. It's the best when you understand what Jesus has done to make you new and you be that person. The old way says, what can I do this year to become good enough? The new way says, what can I do this year to be who I already am? Brothers and sisters, start your new year the new way. Because Jesus saved you by his grace, how can you live in his grace? How can you be who he's made you to be? 
Scripture gives us plenty of options. Sing to the Lord a new song. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Set your mind on things that are above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. By all means, brothers and sisters, set some goals. But not because it's what you want to do to be right with God, to be a better person, to be somebody that's more approved of by God or by man. Set some goals because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and God has a plan for your life and wants to make you more like him. Live in the Spirit this new year. By God's grace, Jesus has made us new. One day he will make us and make all things new. And this year, while we wait for that day, we can continue to be new and be renewed. By God's grace, let us begin this new year the new way. Let's pray.